so glad to see Larry playing that accordion. I, I think that... I think that's one of the coolest instruments. And uh, I'm thankful for his shoulder being better where he can play. I'm just glad you're feeling better with your, your arm. If you'll take your Bibles out and your outlines, I'm not sure that uh, you're going to want to turn to all the passages that I'll be referring to today. Uh, we start today and through this month a series of messages looking at our own personal ministries and how God has shaped each and every one of us uniquely to serve in a ministry. <clears throat> one of the things that God's laid on my heart this, for this year for our church is that each person identify and develop their unique shape, their unique gifts, and then put them to work. Uh, not only in the church body, but also you may have ministries elsewhere, outside the church, uh, in your neighborhood, in your workplace. <clears throat> I, believe, I believe that each one of us, when we, when we discover and put to work how God has created us and shaped us, that we find fulfillment like we've never experienced. That we have connected on a spiritual level, not only spiritually, but physically, we have begun to do what God intended us to do. And there is a fulfillment that is found there. There's a satisfaction, a, an understanding of that I'm, man, I'm a part of something bigger than I am. And, and so it's my goal, part of, part of my vision for our church this year is that we all take seriously and go to work on discovering how God has shaped us and, and put that to work. I hope over the next month that God moves in you, that you listen to God, you listen what his voice is for you. Now, here's the deal. As we begin, and I start in today, uh, I'm afraid that some will be listening to the voices of fear more than you're listening to the voice of God. Now, we just sang a few minutes ago, I brought it up, that God would open the eyes of our heart, that we would see him and see his desire for our life. And I'm believing that we in this room connected with God. And as soon as I start talking about this stuff, we start hearing voices. Joel, that sounds great, but man, I'm way too busy for that. I, I can't imagine finding one extra half hour in my week that I would be able to jump into what you're talking about. I'm afraid some people will be listening to a voice that, that, that says something like, Joel, I'm, I'm not talented enough. I don't have what it takes to, to be in a ministry. Joel, you don't understand my past. I still have, Joel, I have cuss words that still come out of my mouth every once in a while. Wow, I almost got an amen out of that. I was just kind of, kind of, kind of weird. Let's stop and pray right now. Anyway, hey, no, I'm just saying that some, some people think I have to be perfect before I can jump in and do ministry. I got this, because see, here's the deal. Some people believe that, that I have to be perfect, I have to be cleaned up before I can ask Jesus to be my Savior. And guys, that's a lie. God says, I'll take you just the way you are. Now, I'm not going to leave you that way. I'm going to clean up that mouth. 
but I'll take you just the way you are, man. I have things for you to do. God has stuff that he wants us to do that he set aside for us long ago. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I do pray that you'll be listening to God over the next month. And set aside all that stuff, your schedule, your priority. Just set it aside and listen for God. That's all I'm asking. Don't listen for me. Don't listen to my voice. Listen for God. And over the next few weeks, I hope to present a biblical case for serving, for doing ministry, that each of us would own the idea, I'm a minister. Joel, come on, man, that's, that's your job. I'm just supposed to sit out here and listen to you. You're the minister, not me. That's a lie. I hope to prove that case here in just a few minutes with Scripture, not my own opinion. So the principle that's kind of uh, holding this, this series together says this, my ministry is determined by my shape. Now, I need to stop for a second. And on your outline, I hope to get to the blank today. I, uh, as many of you know, on Wednesdays is when I kind of put all this together. I put my message together. And Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I chew on it like a cow chews on his cud. I just kind of take it in, regurgitate it back up. Okay, that's gross. But anyway, you get the idea. Uh, so as I've been going through it the rest of the week, I'm like, I hope I get to the outline <laughs> part of it today. So uh, there might be some things you want to write down in that blank part at the top of the page. And like I said, I hope to get to it. But <clears throat> God has made each of you a specific way. And what he has made you to be determines what he intends for you to do. I'll say that again. What God has made you to be determines what he intends for you to do. I'll show you something I made over the Christmas holidays here. Uh, everybody knows what this is, right? I made Christmas presents for my kids. It's a pour-over coffee thing. It's, uh, you put a, put a filter in here and put your cup of coffee down here and hot water. Anyway, <clears throat> this thing that I made is not, it's not supposed to be used to hold my car up off the ground when I change the oil. It's not what it's for. This is not to be a paperweight on my desk. It's not what it's for. Its purpose is determined what it's to be used for is determined by its shape and what it is. Does that make sense at all? To make this, I needed a, a drill press and a, and a drill bit that would cut that hole and, and drill these holes. It, it required stain. It required sandpaper. It required a router bit that, that put this edge. It required a bunch of different tools to accomplish and make this. My point is this. I couldn't use a screwdriver to put this edge along the sides. And some, some people have determined, have understood how God has shaped you. You understand how God has made you. 
And you understand that because God has uniquely made me this way, this is what he intends me to do, for me to do. One of my goals for this series is, is that we determine, we get to a place of understanding how God has uniquely shaped us. And that will help us understand what ministries he wants me, what he wants me to do, what he intends me to do. So God has a plan for each of us. The focus of this series is on five different factors. We won't get to those today. We'll get to them next week. And it's called your shape. Now, some of you have been through our, our E3 class. Our, it's our third of our four discipleship classes. <clears throat> so guess what? You get a review. <laughs> but these five focuses in this series comes off the word shape. Your spiritual gifts. Yes, as a church, we are going to all do, a, do an inventory on our spiritual gifts. I'm going to spend one week talking about the issue of spiritual gifts. That's the S. H, your heart. Some of you have a heart for encouraging people. There are, there are I would say, five people in this church that it is it's just what they do. They send me text messages. They Facebook message me. Just words of encouragement. There are some people in this room who have a heart for discipleship. Joel, we want to see people grow. In fact, our vision statement talks about winning, win, develop, and deploy. Their heart is for developing people. Man, we want to see people grow. Some of you have a heart for evangelism, the deploying part of our vision. Each of us have a heart that just burns with something that needs to be done. That's the H. Spiritual gifts, our heart. A is for abilities. We're going to talk about abilities. I'm going to hone in next week on, on each of these letters. Some of you are good at certain things and you don't know why. Joel, I don't know why. I'm just good at a mechanic. I can, I'm good with engines. I don't know why, but I just understand how internal combustion works. I get it and, and all that stuff. I, we can't confuse those with spiritual gifts. It's just abilities. You're good at it. Some of you can sing. Some of you can recall songs from the 60s and 70s like nobody I've ever met. I don't know why you're good at that, Rich, but you are. It's just weird. It's just, but it's an ability. Each of us have abilities. Now, again, this is one of those places where people start listening to voices. Joel, I don't have any abilities. I'm not good at anything. And I'm asking you, stop listening to those and listen to God. God did not mess up when he made you. P, personality. You think there's a few different personality types in the room? just a few we're going to talk about those and e your life experiences every one of us in this room has a story not everybody grew up a military brat like i did not everybody went to an eighth grade school in pasadena california of 2000 eighth graders and every teacher in the room trembles <laughs> in their seat not yeah my eighth grade year i walked around terrified the whole time I was just a scrawny little kid around grown men that were still in the eighth grade. <laughs> we, we all have life experiences, a story. I have a story. 
All of those things, S-H-A-P-E, all of those factors, you take them, put them in a pot, stir them together. And it is how God has uniquely shaped you. And the way God has uniquely shaped you determines what he intends for you to do. I just hope you'll grab a hold of that. All of our shape helps us understand what he intends us to do. We're going to be looking at that. Here's one of the goals that, that, that I hope to reach over the next few weeks. It's on the slide here. That I will discover my unique design or my shape for ministry and commit to develop and use my God-given gifts and abilities in serving God and others. Joel, I, I, I'm interested. You have my attention. I hope so. I hope I don't have your attention. I hope God does. Because the results, the outcome of us plugging in and using our God-given gifts and abilities, I believe, is where we will, we will experience extreme fulfillment. We, we just connect with God on that level, and it's so fulfilling. <clears throat> Here's another goal for this series, that I will select and begin serving in a ministry of the church that best fits who God has shaped me to be. At the end of this month, we're, we're putting together uh, an opportunity, an event. I'm going to be contacting our ministry heads this week to, to begin discussing this, this idea of having an environment where people can come in at the end of this series on a, on a kind of a commitment Sunday We've taken in, we've, we've listened for God, and, and he's inspired our hearts, he's put something on our heart. Well, we want to set up an environment where you can come and let's put it into action. I'm purposely doing this series at the beginning of the year so that for one year, our church, the people of our church can say, you know what, I, I, Joel, I'm not, sen I'm not sentencing my life away to this ministry, but I'll commit to a year. I'll jump in, man, count on me. Because whether you know it or not, this church needs your ministry. This church needs what God has shaped you to be and intends for you to be. The church down the street, the church down that street, needs the, the people that make up that body to all be plugged in because the body of Christ has been put together by God. And we're going to talk about the body, the anatomy lesson that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians uh, later on. But let's look at what the Bible says about doing ministry. Where does this word ministry come from? It's a Greek word, dikonos. Uh, it simply means to serve. A deacon is a servant. To serve. You realize that <clears throat> we serve in three different directions. Yeah, we do. All, all of us do. We serve the Lord. Isn't there a hymn out there that serves the Lord with gladness? Is that? Maybe not. I thought it was. But we serve the Lord. Listen to what the Bible says in Acts chapter 13. Luke is the author, and he says this. Now, there were, there were in the church of Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me. Let me say that again. 
the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them to, have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. One of the directions that you and I serve is to the Lord. We serve the Lord. That's a phrase that we use often. But do we understand that when we serve, we're serving the Lord? Another direction that we serve is we serve one another. Part of my studies, I'm, I'm focusing in and looking all through the New Testament at all the one another passages where we're to encourage one another, exhort one another, that we are to, to do this and do that. And all these one another passages take care of one another. Another direction that we serve is we serve the body of Christ, the saints within the body. And then the last direction is that we serve those that don't know Christ yet. I say the word yet because every day, or one day, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Now some will have placed their faith in, faith in him already, but there's a day coming <laughs> when everyone. So my point is this, the three directions, we serve the Lord, we serve the body, and we serve those outside the body. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Man, you're a city on the hill. Who puts, who, who puts a cover over, over? Man, let your light shine so that people can see. People can see God through you, through, through your light. Let them see it. We minister, we serve those that are outside the church. These are three things that you might want to write down. Three areas that we do serve. We, we, we serve and meet people's physical needs. It's one of the areas that we, that we minister to. You know, if the, the life group, it's, it's now Rory Tucker's life group. I think every, every winter time they, they gather blankets and coats and they make sack lunches and they go downtown and and they just start handing out food and handing out blankets and, and stuff looking for opportunities to share their faith let's just imagine for a second that that they walk up to one person this homeless person and they have food and a warm blanket and a coat and they walk up and they and they simply say uh, they start going down a spiritual evangelistic road of wanting to tell this man about Jesus, which is awesome. It's great. Obviously, we know that. But this guy just looks up and goes, do you have any food? I'm, I'm hungry. Do I have any water? I'm thirsty. No, no, sir, we do have some, but we need you to listen first. You know how much more likely this man is to hear our message when his belly's full? One of the directions that we, one of the areas that we serve and meet needs of others is physical, their physical needs. Listen to what the Bible says. Matthew chapter 25, verses 35 through 40. God says, for when I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. 
Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. As we strive to be the best church for our community, church, we, uh, we need to be meeting people's physical needs. In fact, I got a couple of emails this week. Um, people in our community that have needs. In fact, Alan, I, who leads our hands team, sent one out. And we need help. We need, we need bodies, warm bodies that can come and, and do this and do that. We want to meet people's physical needs. It's one of the areas that, that we strive to serve. Another, another uh, area I just want to share with you briefly that was brought up in our staff meeting a couple of weeks ago. In fact, Courtney <coughs> Martin is our new children's minister, and she, she brought up an idea called Day of Hope. And this Day of Hope is, happens prior to school starting. It, it's probably not original to her. It's, in fact, churches probably do it all the time. Collecting school supplies for those families that need help with school supplies. As we've been unpacking this event, starting next month, we'll do like a monthly supply item, church-wide. I, I said, Courtney, how many, how, many, how many are we talking about here? 100, 100, 100 backpacks? Fill up 100? She, she was like, I was thinking more like 500. I said, I like the way you're thinking. Church, can you imagine touching 500 families and meeting their physical needs on a day of hope? She's like, man, we could create an environment that's fun for the children, that, that, that children could be having fun, and mom and dad maybe could come inside the room over here and, and gather the supplies that are needed for their children because so the last thing that we want to do is make a mom and dad feel bad that they don't have the finances to get things. And, and so well, I love the way she's thinking. And I think, I think that's something our, our church can get behind. That maybe next month, the month of February, man, let's, let's wipe out every dollar store in the area of all their backpacks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And March, it's another up. As we strive to be the best church for our community, let's all be focused on one of the areas of meeting physical needs. Another area that we meet is emotional needs. There are some of you in this room that are great comforters. You're great encouragers. You're great counselors. You have wisdom. We have people around us sitting around you right now that are hurting. There are people sitting around you right now that are scared. I don't know what's going on in their life, and neither do you. I'm just telling you, all around us, one of the areas of need that we can serve and meet are emotional needs. 1 Thessalonians 5, 14 says this, And we urge you, brothers, 
Admonish the idle. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. And be patient with all. One of the areas that we strive to meet needs is emotional needs. Another area is spiritual needs. So physical, emotional, and spiritual needs are ways that we can serve the Lord and serve the body. Colossians 1, 28 and 29, Paul says this, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So here's the deal. I've, I've mentioned this before, and I'm, I'm continuing to trudge along in my schooling, but I, I make several statements in my thought process that in the body of Christ, yes, there are pastors and there are teachers. So I am responsible for the spiritual development of the people of the church. I also make the statement that the body is also responsible for the spiritual development of the church. All those one another passages, that's where that comes in. And the last uh, supposition I make is that each of us are responsible for our own growth. Work out your own faith. That you and I attend to our own spiritual needs. That we as a body need to look after one another. So here's kind of the meat of, of uh, what I want to get through today. And this is my appeal to you. This is my, uh, my appeal to the body. Is why should I be interested in this? Joel, what, what? okay, I see your case, but why should I be interested in this? I don't have time for all this, Joel. I, I, I'm, I'm really not even, I, I'm not a member yet here. I mean, we can come up with excuses. We can. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to listen to the voice of God. Here's where I want to build a biblical case, and I think we should pay very close attention and give this significant consideration. I think we should be interested in this, number one, because we've been created for ministry. I need everyone to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. If you get past Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you find a history book called Acts, and then you get to Paul's letters. Romans, the Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Chapter 2. You've heard me refer to our E210 mission in life many times. And here it is. If you're there, say amen. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared, prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Listen, here's, here's why you and I should be interested in this whole issue of serving and, and, and being understanding that I'm a minister, understanding that I'm not who I think I am, I'm not even who you think I am, I am who God says I am. Here's why I should be interested in this, because God has created me for ministry. You are a minister. 
like it or not, you're a minister. And God has set things aside for you that I can't do. He didn't set them aside for me. He set them aside for you. God sets, set aside for this church things that are for this church to do. Paul's speaking to the church. He didn't set what God has set for this church to accomplish. He didn't set it aside for Calvary. He didn't set it aside for the edge. He didn't set it aside for the vineyard over there. He set it aside for this church. And my, my goal, my vision for us this year is that all of us would begin to understand that our church would grab an identity of who we are. This is what God has set aside, community of grace, to do. And let's put our boots on the ground, let's go do it. But that's going to take the entire body. That's going to take every one of us coming to a place of saying, I'm in, man. It scares me to death to think that, that he may ask me to teach a three-year-old class. <laughs> to work with students <laughs> terrifies me. I hated middle school then, and I hate middle school now. It scares me. The first thing that may come to your mind when you say, I'm in, I want to discover what God has made me to be, and I want to plug it in, in the church and in my community where he wants me to serve. It may terrify you. But I'm just saying that when you stop focusing on the terror and you focus on following God and being obedient and listening to his voice, you will experience a fulfillment like you haven't before. And some of you know what I'm talking about because you're doing it. You're doing it. You've been created for ministry. It's the second reason we should be interested in this whole idea of ministry and serving is this. Because you've been saved for ministry. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Paul says to this young minister, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Not only have you and I been created for ministry, we were saved for ministry. Here's one you want to write down. He saved me to serve, not to sit. I've been saved to serve, not saved to sit. And part of, part of my goal for this series is to engage all of us. And I hope you know me well enough by now that my, guys, I'm not one of those guilt guys. I'm not a pound my fist on the table guy that wants to guilt or scream loud enough to inspire you. That's not me. But for those that are sitting on the bench, that you have seen church as your place to just come and be fed and then go back and live the rest of the week, I need you to understand something. That you're a minister and you have something to offer. And that this body needs your part of the body. Joel, I'm just a fingernail on the pinky finger. Well, this body needs a fingernail on the pinky finger. This body needs you. You've been saved for ministry. Saved to serve, not just saved to sit. Third reason we should be interested. 
And it was mentioned in that verse just a moment ago that we've been called into ministry. Galatians chapter 1, verse 15, Paul says this to the church. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace, Paul understood the calling of serving. It's in James, I believe, where he says, man, a faith without actions is what? Dead. It's dead. Ephesians 4.1 says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy, worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Guys, we have to get this. We have to understand. I mentioned it a minute ago. I'm not who I think I am. I'm not who you think I am. I am who God says I am. And he says that I'm a minister. He says I've been called to ministry. He says that I've been set apart. I've been saved and I've been created for ministry. I just have one last one. The reason we should be interested in this is that the body of Christ needs my ministry. And this 1 Corinthians 12 is, is a passage uh, speaking of spiritual gifts, and we'll spend more time on there in a couple of weeks. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says this, All of you together are one body of Christ, and each of you is a separate and necessary part of it. If you leave here today not understanding your importance, then I've missed. I missed you today. I need everyone to understand how important you are to the body of Christ. And that this should matter to each and every one of us. So as we conclude this morning, I'm going to ask Kyle to, to make his way up. And we're going to spend just a few minutes talking with God about those things. Okay, I'll put the term hurdle on it. What are the hurdles that you and I see in our lives that would keep me from I'm not talking about going public right now. I'm talking about my heart. Open the eyes of my heart, God, because I want to see you. What are the hurdles that keep me in my heart from saying, God, I'm open to discovering and I'm opening to following through on how you've made me determines what you intend me to do. So if you'll just spend a few moments what are those obstacles? What are those hurdles that might be in your way? Just spend a moment with God there. Will you take just a moment and talk with God about where you're at with 
committing to this year of, of saying, I, I'm willing to explore how you've shaped me and what you intend me to do. Do you have feelings? Are there fears? Are there emotions that go along with, with even contemplating and entertaining the thought of, God, I'll do that. I, I'll commit this year to discovering and chasing after what you intend me to do. Talk with God about that. this morning we we come before you and as we have saying earlier this morning about all my worship all my praise Lord I pray in this moment that we would be willing to say all of me I listen to you God you don't want part of me you want all of me Father you don't want part of each person that's listening this morning you want all as your word says that we're to seek you first seek the kingdom of God first and all that other stuff that we're worried about that we're terrified by that we can't see how it would work out we can't see how you would use us Lord that we would set that aside and we would seek you first Lord I pray that each of us would listen to you that we would understanding understand that you are the one who separated the ocean so that you're your people could walk through on dry ground. I pray that each of us would trust in you to the point of saying, even though we can't see it, we understand that God takes ordinary people and does extraordinary things. And that's me, and that's you. Lord, I pray for the heart today that is resistant to surrender. I pray for the heart today that is terrified of surrendering. And Lord, I pray that you would comfort them, you would encourage them, that you have what is best. That we not hold on to what is second best, but we surrender and see what you have for us. Lord, I want to lift up a person that's here today that has never surrendered their heart to you at all, ever. They've never trusted in you as, as Lord and Savior. In fact, today, maybe they have never heard that you love them just the way they are. That they're not here today by accident. They're here today because you intend to have an encounter with them. That you would open the eyes of their heart, Lord, that's my prayer this morning. That they would see you, they would see how much you love them, that you have a purpose for them. That you want to see them win in life, you want to see them grow in you. You love them so much that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for them. To pay the price and the penalty for their sin so that they wouldn't have to. You've done it for us. 
And all you ask is that we trust, we trust in your son Jesus as our Lord, as our Savior. Lord, for the person that's here today that, that wants to do that, that wants to surrender life, their whole life, not just part, their whole life to you, I pray in this moment they would simply ask, Jesus, will you forgive me of my sins? Thank you for dying and paying the price for mine. Now I want to surrender my life to you and ask you to come and live inside my heart, that your spirit would reside with my spirit, and you would show me how to live for you as one of your children. Give me purpose. Give me direction. I wonder if there's someone here today that has, has prayed that prayer, that has surrendered your life to Christ for the first time today. Can I ask you to do something? Would you be willing to just simply uh, raise your hand quickly so that I can know who I'm praying for? Anybody? Thank you, Jesus. As we leave this place today, Lord, as your children, move in our hearts. Help us see who you've created us to be. Lord, I thank you so much for this church body, my friends, my family, that we would work together to accomplish